Real News. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is November 12, 2019. And I thought today, more than any day, we can uh, revisit a few things and remember things said from November last year and how they pertain to today, but more so further understand how we are not paying attention. And I will play you a clip. It was more of a warning, and many of you um, talk about it all the time, say it all the time, but I don't think anyone understands just how serious and, um, I would say, what if someone was able to tell you your future? Like, if you had the opportunity to know when you are going to die, when you would be able to know, um, you know, if you're going to buy this house or if you're going to get this job, if you're going to have one kid, two kid, three kids, whatever, would you want to know? It seems that most of us claim, yeah, you know, I'd kind of want to know, but what if someone gave you a roadmap? to what your reality may be in 50 years, in 40 years, in 20 years, in five years, and even one year. You have this roadmap on paper, digitized, and Twitter, on Facebook, on TV, on the radio, on a forum, on a board, and yet you understand the dark reality, but fail to embrace its existence. Now, um, being someone who uses math, uses predictive mathematical algorithms to determine outcomes, one has to understand that there has to be a middle way. So, From a very young age, I would always say, well, I'm going to aim for the moon so I can at least get to the stratosphere. The path is the same. How far into it I'll go is one. Will I go in, you know, in a straight vertical line? Will I do squiggles? Will my journey be direct on that line? Will it veer off and come back? What will it be? Those veering offs, you know, where you kind of go do something else and then you get back on the path. Have you ever walked? I mean, that's a really, really true question. Have you ever taken a walk? I know in my life, walks frustrate me. And I'll tell you why. It's because that is when you're left alone with your thoughts. And if you decide that you're going to walk from point A to B, You could take the sidewalk. Uh, If you're walking up a mountain, I'll use an example. I wanted to go to a church. Um, 
I was on leave. Uh, I flew into Greece. It was morning, and um, I wanted to walk to a church. It was, you know, everyone's... At, at the time that I arrived to my parents' um, town, people were s- still, you know, with the faded out lipstick, the mascara, all looking like, whoa, just woke up. But they were just coming back from clubs. So 6, 7 a.m. in the morning on Sunday, people are coming back from clubs because in Europe, you don't go clubbing at 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> you go clubbing at like midnight, 1 a.m. That's when you hook up with your friends. So I want to go to this church uh, just for a walk. And it means that I'd go up the mountain and kind of get fresh air. So I grab a coffee and there's one road, right? There's only one road going up toward that mountain. But I decided I wanted to take the scenic route. How many of you have ever taken a scenic route? Oh, I want to go to the gas station, pick something up, but I'll just take a detour just to walk. Regardless though, scenic route or not, taking it, you're left in your thought, listening to your audiobook, maybe listening to music, right? For me, just left in my thoughts, taking in the sea salt coming in, you know, as I'm smelling it, the fact that it was crisp, it wasn't super hot. It was like cool and just left with my thoughts. Just like all of you are left with your thoughts or whatever you're listening to as you take the scenic route. But in the end, you still get to the destination. And for me, it was the church. Now, if I had taken the normal route, that walk would have taken me 35 minutes. Taking the scenic route was more like 45 to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. During the time, though, because I took the scenic route, I had extra time to myself to think and process learn. I actually, I learned, (laughs) I learned something. I learned, do not try to go down a steep hill. Okay. That has little rocks like, you know, where, uh, concrete has kind of like chipped off and there are little rocks because gosh, darn it. Those things are slippery, (laughs) slippery is not nobody's business. If you walk on some like loose gravel and you would think that's common sense. Well, you know, I didn't really think about that. And that is the day that I learned that lesson. So all of us, when we take a scenic route and then we get back to the same destination, we've learned something, maybe had extra five minutes to listen to that song and felt something, you know, maybe learned something about the house you pass by and, you know, like the mailbox, whatever. But, you know, because even in the Odyssey, it's like about the journey, not the destination, right? But think of the path of humanity as a straight line, right? One line. Now you can deviate from it, be parallel to it, kind of be similar, like a twin brother. And you have tons of these, tons of these, because what we don't seem to understand is, is that, uh, Our reality is our own. Now, you and I share a common reality. Other people share this common reality. So it seems to be this one whole thing because we share it, right? But what we don't seem to understand is that when that reality is disrupted uh, with a roadmap, we seem to 
listen to it, understand it, accept it, but not embrace it. So all of you out there and many people I follow that retweet other people that I don't follow necessarily, mm, always go back to this saying it's here, but what are you really doing? I mean, you're, you've been given a roadmap from decades ago. Now you have a roadmap on almost every media platform from people that may be working together, may not be working together, may be independent, maybe, you know, being injected into your, um, information stream for whatever reason, uh, to have you, um, listen to the same thing you're going to hear now from the mouth of George Orwell as he was dying from tuberculosis. Let me get that up for you one second. Because uh, I think maybe if you hear his voice, I don't know if any of you have ever heard his voice. Maybe you'll understand what's being said here. The final warning. 1984 is, I believe, a quite terrifying masterpiece. So terrifying, in fact, I don't think I should like to read another like it. I'm not absolutely dissatisfied with it. I think it is a good idea, but the execution would have been better if I had not been under the influence of TB when I wrote it. You once claimed that you have an ability to face unpleasant facts. Is that what you've demonstrated in 1984 by drawing an accurate portrait of the future? I think that allowing for the book being, after all, a parody, something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. In our world, there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph and self-abasement. The sex instinct will be eradicated. We shall abolish the orgasm. There will be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. But always there will be the intoxication of power. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. It depends on you. So what have we done since forever? Everything that has unfolded hasn't happened by itself. We're all, you know, party to it. We're all allowing it to happen. We're all providing them the tools to nail us in, to, to put us in the coffin, we're allowing them. So you have to think to yourself, if I'm responsible for the outcome, then everything bad that has happened to me is my responsibility, correct? And indeed it is. I, I, you know, you don't ask to have cancer, right? You don't ask to be attacked, right? But every action that we've taken 
has provided these repercussions. Because again, we have this shared, shared reality. The foundations of all physics is that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You could say, but, but, but why would I do something to cause myself cancer? Why would I do something to cause myself harm? Why? It's not like you did it on purpose. Why did this child get born with this? Why did they have this? This is evil. This can't be right. We have to understand for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Doesn't mean you necessarily did it with your own hands, but it's indirect, right? So for the past three years of a Trump presidency, we have all been analyzing politics, demanding people held accountable, which is great because we are the news now. The mainstream media heading into elections 2020 is completely obsolete, completely obsolete. It's you and I that are leading the pack. It is you and I that have control because if you remember, President Trump said, I'm taking the power from Washington and giving it back to you, the people. You have this power. Now, if George Orwell mapped a route in his book, 1984, to get to that end destination, Kind of like I said over a year ago, you know, the minority report, I've dropped that so many times in my articles and lo and behold, Barr, William Barr creates the first foundation, the first task force programs, such and such for this preemptive crime arrests, right? Minority report right on point. Every single movie you've seen has a dose of predictive reality. So sometimes you have to sit and think, well, okay, I understand what's going on because I'm involved in politics. I listen to podcasts. I read, you know, online posts. I participate in public discourse. I have a POV. I have knowledge. So now take that knowledge and think, what do you think would be the outcome of it? It's as simple as if I put my finger in a socket, there's two outcomes. One, I get electrocuted. Two, nothing happens. So what are the odds that nothing happens? Kind of slim to none because you know electricity is on the other end, right? So you can predict that. But when you have all this stimuli and all this knowledge and you sit back by yourself You can do that too. Think, what would be the outcome? Now, many of you have reached out with very dire outcomes. And I've said, it comes down to who we hire, who the president has sitting next to him. Could you imagine if President Trump was in the White House and he had people like General Flynn, Mike Cernovich, Laura Loomer? Let me let me see. Um, I would have I would totally insert myself for like the cultural stuff. Totally. I'd be like shamelessly like, take me. I will do all the foreign relations stuff. Uh, Let me help. But think if the people that understand concepts like you would get Scott Adams to kind of analyze. No, no, no. I don't see this because, you know, he likes to like lean back and percolate on things. 
you know, have all these like different people that you appreciate their perspective, those regular people that do not have a thirst for power. Because one thing that we see is that being silent in the world cannot reign in greed, right? But how do you fix it when greed has taken over? And now greed is not monetary. The greed is for power. I was having a conversation with Scott Adams this morning and I told him, you know, that we were talking about Clapper and Brennan. I said, you know, people that are in the CIA, like Anthony and the rest of them, they're all stupid. There's like a threshold of who they will allow in the CIA. You can't be too smart. And one will say, what? But they're this. No, they, if you're too smart, you can't be manipulated. You get it? If you're too smart, you can't be manipulated. This is why I say you can see in the Senate who has graduated the farm, who has been tapped by the farm. You know what you should look at? Look at your senator and your congressperson, your secretary of state, your attorney general. Who was invited to the McCain funeral? That's number one. That was not in office at the time, right, when like in Senate or Congress. But if they were on peripheral positions like governor or whatnot and they were invited, yeah, you got to look again. Think, I've told you, how many times have I told you that Schiff was CIA? How many times have I told you that? Do you think that just anybody can walk into Congress or Senate? Look at this. They removed Laura Loomer off of every single digital public discourse channel they can. And yet she's still out raising and she will get into Congress because it's Laura. But think of just how many other people across the nation right now that may be a listener of mine sitting in whatever state they are that want to run and can't because you were silent so long. They silence you so easily. This is the boot on the human face. When I tell you uh, being in the room with some of these people like Hillary Clinton, how they look down on people as peasants, you're disposable to them. They don't care. You're just cattle. That's the problem that we, uh, that I see that people don't understand that they have to, we all have to realize that they believe that we're stupid, that they believe that we can't embrace the idea that we are the paupers. We are those people, you know, in the movies where it's like the queen and the castle and then all these people in the dirt roads and the markets and stuff. You're those people in the roads and the dirt markets and stuff. All of us are. And that is what you need to embrace and understand. You could be like, no, no, no. I went to college. I got a job. I pay a mortgage. It doesn't matter. They let you have a job. They let you have a mortgage. They let you think that you vote. They let you because they're allowing you those permissions as they learn more about you. And I warned of this on January 1st, and I'm going to play a clip from my January 1st episode, because over, you know, 11 months ago, about 11 months ago, 
I was telling you that artificial intelligence is a weapon that they are using. Now, this can come in the form of cyber attacks. This can come in the form of attacking you. How many times have you talked on the phone and you've got your Facebook messenger talking to your friend or whatever, pop on to Facebook and you're like, whoa, ad. I'll tell you what, my daughter and I were sitting next to each other. I was on the phone with someone, yip, 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 about someone. And she's standing next to me and she's like, she asks me, oh, where can I find this? So I ask my friend on the phone, where do you think we could get this? And she was like, wait a minute, it just popped up in my Instagram feed. I got an ad out of the blue because they are learning everything you say, everything you do, every keystroke you punch in. They are learning. You can't do anything without technology because they are learning. And like I said last year, the, the, you know, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, your artificial intelligence profile tells someone more than you know about yourself, where you dabble. This is why I, I actually browse BS. This is why on my Google account, my YouTube account, everything, I have tons of users. So they can't make out anything. They won't know who did it because we swap devices and I do that on purpose just to confuse it so it doesn't know where it's coming from. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you're going to share your like username and password with like 100 people. For me, it's my family across multiple devices that a lot of people have access to because this creates congestion and a computer that is overloaded with a lot of things will then just throw a generic flag over everything. So if I've got a kid that's looking up a horoscope and then I've got another one, you know, delving into some code and then everything in between from recipes to dog pictures, cat video shopping, they won't know where to begin and where to end because it's so broad. Now, I'm not saying just start Googling random things because that will be eliminated because all these years you have been feeding your profile. You have been feeding your citizen log where they document and they put things in. And I warned because I worked on the Affordable Care Act that that was the most preposterous legislation that ever went through. And every single person that voted for it should not be sitting anywhere near an elected seat. Because that piece of legislation allowed your car insurance to have access to your medical information, allowed your school to have access to your medical information, driving record, financial record. You have no idea what that bill was. And this is why they were like, just sign it, just sign it. That's the greed, the greed for power. It's incredible. If you sit back Lean into your chair and say, wow, okay, I get it. And, you know, and as far as you can complain, well, Google's doing this. Google's doing, Google's not making you do anything. You're using the tools they're giving you and you're not regulating what they're doing with it. And then you're upset because they're taking your information and using it. Like when you signed up for Facebook, you know, did you not think that they might take your information and sell it? Do you know how much a name, address, email address, and phone number is worth? It's gold. I can tell you when I was studying for my Series 7 and they had me cold calling people so that I can learn 
and I just had to put up with it. And I was like, whatever. These leads with a name, address, job, and whatever information you can find is gold because this is how they sell you things. This is consumerism. Corporations love consumer. Did you not think about it? I did. I really didn't care. I've been in a system since I took my oath. For me personally, don't care. Now, for other people that have not been put into the systems, some of us have, should. Because, see, I'm, you're, I'm owned. You're not, right? From that oath, you're owned. You can't take medication when you're sick. They have to give it to you. You can't get a tattoo without ta- getting permission. They have to give it to you, right? So for the really free person that is not um, a tool of the state, right? A tool of the state uh, for defense, but still a tool of the state. Did you not think about that? That's what they're weaponizing against you for 2020. So when we come back, we'll revisit November 12th of 2018 and New Year's Day. All right, guys, uh, welcome back. And because I'm always up to uh, analyzing things that are coming in live, before we get into the trip down memory lane and kind of taking little walks through mirrored reality so we can see just how much we veered off and how much we came back on to the path that they've etched out for you. Because those that are in control control your destiny. Why? Why do they control society's destiny? Because they have the power to rewrite the past. Therefore, they have the pen of the present and the future. Look at all these book deals. Just saying. Now, let's listen to the president live at the Economic Club of New York. To recognize those of our 297 members of the Centennial Society attending today in the front of the room as their contributions continue to be the financial backbone for the club. They actually enable us to offer our wonderful diverse programming now and into the future. We'd also like to welcome students joining us today from Columbia Business School and Harvard Business School. In addition, we have attending members of the 2019 class of ECNY Fellows, a select cohort of next generation thought leaders sponsored by members of the club for our year long program. Welcome to all of you. It is both an honor and a privilege for me to welcome the 45th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. (laughs) President Trump built on his success in private life when he entered into politics and public service. He's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Finance and followed in his father's footsteps into the world of real estate development, making his mark in this great city. He is also the author of 14 bestsellers, and his first book, The Art of the Deal, is considered a business classic. Mr. Trump announced his candidacy for president June 2015 and one year later became the Republican nominee, clearing the field of 17 Republican candidates during those primaries and won the presidency in his first run ever for political office. 
Following the President's address, we will have questions and answers from uh, two distinguished questioners. As a reminder to everyone, this conversation is on the record. It is being carried live. So if everyone could please turn their phones to silent. Mr. President, the podium is yours, sir. So everyone in the Economic Club of New York is standing up. Now, I've attended one of these before, one of their meetings, a few times in my life. I'll tell you what. Do you think that the rich are just worried about the socialists taking their money? Do you think your money, your dollar dollar in the bank account is their concern? No, it's not. It's your assets. And assets include your land, your book, your pen, your computer, your house, your car, your motorcycle, your piece of plot that you may, anything you have that's tangible, they want it. The money, they can make it go away with the stroke of the key. You have money, they, <laughs> it's gone. If it's in the computer, in your bank account, stroke of the key, it's gone. They don't want your money. They want you. They want everything that you think is yours that is part of you. They want it. That is what socialism is about. This is the struggle. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, when they take your house, your car, your motorcycle, your gold, your silver, whatever it is that you may have that they can find and take, the last thing they're going to take is what's most valuable to you, and that's you. Thank you very much, Barbara. So sad that this is live. She said it's live. Uh, it's always live. There's always somebody with a phone. It becomes live. Ask a lot of politicians that are no longer in politics. I want to thank Marie Jose Gravis for your incredible leadership of the club. It's an honor to be here. It is wonderful also to be back in New York with so many friends and Distinguished leaders, business and finance, academia, and I have to add in real estate. All my real estate friends are here. I'm especially grateful for and to your longtime club members because uh, it's a club with a tremendous reputation and uh, somebody doing an absolutely incredible job as director of the National Economic Council, a friend of mine who I got on. I've been hearing this voice for 35 years. It's driving me crazy. Larry Cutlow. Always calm, always cool, and uh, he's just Larry. And he's terrific, I'll tell you that. Three years ago, I came to speak before this storied forum as a candidate for president. And at that time, America was stuck in a failed recovery and saddled with a Bleak economic future, and it was bleak. Under the last administration, nearly 200,000 manufacturing jobs had been lost. Almost 5 million more Americans had left the labor force. And jobs were not exactly what you would call plentiful. And 10 million people had been added to the food stamp rolls. In 2016, the Department of Labor predicted that Americans would continue dropping out of the 
workforce in record numbers. They predicted and projected a decade of sluggish growth, and they expected unemployment over 5 percent, and really 6, 7, and even, in some cases, 8 percent for years to come. The so-called experts said the Americans had no choice but to accept stagnation, decay, and a shrinking middle class as the new normal. That was said all the time. In short, the American people were told to sit back and accept a slow, inevitable decline. But I never believed for one moment that our magnificent nation was destined for a diminished future. I knew that our destiny was in our own hands, that we could choose to reject a future of America and really look at a future of American decline unacceptable and to build a future of American dominance, which is what I wanted. It couldn't be any other way. Or I would have never done this. I refused to accept that Americans had to lower their expectations or give up on their dreams. America is the single greatest country in the world. And I knew that working together, we could make it even greater. In 2016, I stood before you supremely confident in what our people could achieve if government stopped punishing American workers and started promoting American workers and American companies. Our middle class was being crushed under the weight of a punitive tax code, oppressive regulations, one-sided trade deals, and an economic policy that put America's interest last, and a very deep last at that. I knew that if we lifted these burdens from our economy and unleashed our people to pursue their ambitions and realize their limitless potential, then economic prosperity would come thundering back to our country at a record speed. That's what's happening. Today, I'm proud to stand before you as President of the United States to report that we have delivered on our promises and exceeded our expectations by a very wide margin. We have ended... Waiting for that. Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I almost didn't get it. We have ended the war on American workers. We have stopped the assault on American industry. And we have launched an economic boom, the likes of which we have never seen before. I did this despite a near-record number of rate increases and quantitative tightening by the Federal Reserve since I won the election, eight increases in total, which were, in my opinion, far too fast an increase and far too slow a decrease. Because remember, we are actively competing with nations who openly cut interest rates so that now many are actually getting paid when they pay off their loan, known as negative interest. Who ever heard of such a thing? Give me some of that. <laughs> Give me some of that money. I want some of that money. 
our Federal Reserve doesn't let us do it. I don't say thank you, thank you. The smart people are clapping. The smart people that have gold are clapping because the Federal Reserve has fake currency. The Federal Reserve won't let you get paid for paying back, you know, and give it, getting back some of that fake currency. He's pointing it out. He's telling you what he's doing and he's telling them what he's doing. This is why now in 2019, he decides to address the people that have assets. And, you know, people that have assets are smart. They don't care if their bank account has $2 in it. They got land. They don't care if they have to wait till their next paycheck to buy, you know, that, you know, bottle of wine. They got a house. They don't care if, uh, you know, the minute they get paid, they'll pay whatever they have to for their bills and then they'll drop it on maybe buying a firearm or maybe buying something outright that is theirs that nobody else can take. Uh, maybe it'll be a plot of land somewhere else. Maybe it'll be a motorcycle. Maybe it'll be a generator, something tangible. Or maybe they invest in tangible gold. And because they're not rich, they just buy, hey, you know what? Every week when I get paid after working out there, you know, in Walmart or whatever, instead of spending $20 at Starbucks, I'm going to order myself a gold coin online for 20 bucks. And I'm going to collect those coins because those coins are going to be worth everything later. You know, and they're still worth something now. Regardless, gold will never lose its value. You want to save? That's how you save. Buy yourself a coin every week. Say, I won't get those three lattes because, you know, they're about, what, five, six bucks? Yeah. So you could buy a coin on discount if it's like an older one that's not too old to be precious, but not too new to be wanted, you know, buy them. He's talking to the people that know what he's talking about. Only the smart people are clapping. I don't say that's good for the world. I'm not president of the world. I'm president of our country. But we are competing against these other countries nonetheless. And the Federal Reserve doesn't let us play at that game. It puts us at a competitive disadvantage to other countries. Yet in the face of this reality, our economic policies have ushered in an unprecedented tide of prosperity surging all throughout the nation. We're paying interest by other comparisons. We're paying actually high interest. We should be paying by far the lowest interest, and yet we're doing better than any nation by far on Earth. The extraordinary numbers tell the story. Back in 2016, before I took office, the Congressional Budget Office projected that fewer than 2 million jobs would be created by this time in 2019. Instead, my administration has created nearly 7 million jobs and going up rapidly. We beat predictions. Thank you. We beat predictions by more than three times the highest estimate that I saw during the campaign. Nobody thought it was even possible to get close to a 7 million number. Two million was maxed out if you were lucky and if you did a great job. Unemployment has recently achieved the lowest rate in 51 years. 
African-American unemployment, Hispanic-American unemployment, and Asian-American unemployment have all reached the lowest rates in history. Women's unemployment, the best numbers in 71 years. We expect that that number of 71 years, which isn't good compared to the other numbers, is it? But women also will soon be historic, we think. Blue-collar jobs are leading the way in our middle-class boom. We've added 25,000 mining jobs, 128,000 energy jobs, 1.2 million manufacturing and construction jobs, and manufacturing was supposed to be dead in our country. You would need, according to a past administration representative, at the highest level of that past administration, you would need a magic wand to bring back manufacturing jobs. Well, we brought them back, and we brought them back to over 600,000 manufacturing jobs as of today. And those are very important jobs. Nearly 7 million people have been lifted off, very importantly, food stamps. 7 million people off of food stamps. And we're getting Americans off of welfare and back into the workforce. <laughs> Nearly 2.5 million Americans have risen out of poverty. That's a record. The rate of African-American and Hispanic-American families in poverty has plummeted to the lowest level ever recorded by far. We have the highest number of people working in our country, in the history of our country, almost 160 million people. We've never been close to that number. So we've achieved this stunning turnaround because we've adopted a new economic policy that finally puts America first. As president, I understand and embrace the fact that the world is a place of fierce competition. We're competing against other nations for jobs and industry growth and prosperity. Factories and businesses will always find a home. It's up to us to decide whether that home will be in a foreign country or right here in our country, our beloved USA, and that's where we want them to stay and be and move to. If we want our families and communities to prosper, America must be the best place on earth to work, invest, innovate, build, pursue a career, hone a craft, or start a business. We want companies to move to America, stay in America, and hire American workers. My mission is to put our country on the very best footing to thrive, excel, compete, and to win. For many years, our leaders in Washington did the exact opposite. They imposed the highest corporate tax rates in the developed world, so high that people couldn't even understand what they were doing, and they would leave. Very, very smart executives didn't want to leave, but they would leave, sending our jobs and everything else all aflutter. They waged an unethical regulatory assault on the American people. They tried to shut down American energy, and by the way, they're still trying. 
You want to see energy shut down? Take a look at what I'm competing against on the other side. I don't think they even believe in energy. So far, I haven't found any form of energy that's acceptable to them. I think they think the factories are just going to work without energy, don't they? They don't have a clue, these people, but I don't want to mention it yet. I want to wait a little bit longer. Let them go a little bit further so they can't take it back. Because as a campaign, I like it. I like it very much. Let them keep talking. Every time they talk, I say, boy, this looks like it might be easier than I anticipated. Exactly. Pull their own pants down. Let's fast they forward a bit. And you've experienced a lot of great times over the last two and a half years. But even you will be surprised to see we have tremendous economic potential. We have tremendous potential. We have tremendous economic potential. At the heart of our economic revival is the biggest tax cut and reforms in American history. We provided massive relief for working families, saving $2,000 a year. These laws were horrible. They took away everything. You would have a puddle in your land, and they would call it, you were under river control, you were under lake control for what is called a puddle. You couldn't get anywhere near it. And if you did, you'd literally be arrested. Okay, so this is the juicy part. The full control. This is 1984. You can't collect water in your house. You put a bucket outside to collect rainwater so you could drink, you'll get arrested. We're streamlining approvals for critical infrastructure. Our regulatory roadblock is also leading to major price reductions in health care and prescription drugs. We've got the prescription drugs down first time in 53 years. Two judges and court not too good and i will tell you when i signed that was another one clean waters of the united states well the paris accord too and i said this is going to take guts i just closed my eyes and i signed it i got one day of a big hit from some of the radical left newspapers and then after that everybody thanks me they thank me so profusely you're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars of destruction would have been done to our country with the Paris Climate Accord. And it is uh, so unfair. It doesn't kick in for China until 2030. Russia goes back into the 1990s taken care of. But we take care of them. We cherish them. Past leaders wrote off American manufacturing as dead. Terrible. In many ways, worse than China. We're working on legislation known as the United States Reciprocal Trade Act, meaning quite simply what's good for them is good for us. They want to charge us, we charge them. It's a very simple thing. Even people that aren't well-versed in what we all do say, I went to a couple of senators, went to Lindsey Graham. I said, Lindsey, let me ask you, what do you think of that? They're charging us 100 percent, we'll charge them. That makes sense to me. really does make sense to everybody. Because it's very unfair the way we're treated by certain countries. There are certain countries that the average tariff is over 100%. And we charge them nothing. And then they call it fair trade. That's not fair trade. That's stupid trade. (laughs) That's so true. Of course, this will be subject to regaining the House to be able to do these things. He was not as imposing a figure as Larry Kudlow, but he was quite imposing. And I said... uh, I said, you know, I think he's getting very angry. And then I realized 
hmm, how do we save this? This is going to be a disastrous afternoon. And I said, but I don't blame China. I blame our leaders. And then I realized it's true. I blame our leaders for allowing it to happen. I've told that to you and many people many times. But the theft of American jobs and American wealth is over. They understand that. My administration has taken the toughest ever action to confront China's trade abuses. We're taking in billions and billions of dollars in tariffs that China is paying for. We're not paying. China is paying because they're devaluing their currency to such an extent and they're pouring tremendous amounts. And it's a great deal, but it's only phase one of the Japan deal, too. A lot of these leaders don't like me too much, folks. When you hear that I'm not so popular in various countries, please don't accept that as, gee, he doesn't have a good personality. Just realize what I'm trying to do for you. It's about time, okay? Please. They recently came out with a poll that President Obama is much more popular in Germany than I am. I said, guess what? He should be. He should be. The day I'm more popular than him, you know I'm not doing my job. Let's put it that way. Yes, say it. There you go. Because we're treated very badly by countries. They take advantage of us, and they have for many, many years. It's hard to break that cycle. But we're breaking it, and we're getting along with them, believe it or not. We're actually, I think they respect us far more today than they ever have, if you want to know the truth. We're replacing one of the worst trade deals ever in history, NAFTA, with a brand-new U.S.-Mexico cap. Under my administration, two million prime-age Americans have come off the sidelines already, people that we thought maybe would never work again, and they fully rejoined the labor force. So uh, it's going to go up to a break, but what he is telling the Economic Club of New York, he is speaking to the people with assets. And he's telling them, it's about time you realize who's on your side, man. Stop watching the news. Listen to what I'm telling you. And look, the proof is in the pudding. This is why we saw Mark Cuban come out and go all, you know, you know, to the wall with Elizabeth Warren. He's not having it. Because as he realizes, his assets are at stake. And you watch him vote for Donald Trump. Because no one is doing what he's doing. And that's ensuring that people aren't left in poverty and forced to show allegiance to them, the party, them. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is um, the second hour of the show. And today's show is going to be kind of like an onion, kind of like the way I describe myself. <laughs> an onion has many, many layers. And as you peel it back and you peel it back till you get to the core, the one thing you get is your eyes tearing and your senses being triggered. And I say this because, you know, the funny thing about onions is that they make you cry, right? And why do they make you cry? And it's not like, oh, just crying. But they trigger, you know, instantly 
are lacrimals because of their um, chemical compounds. And do you know what triggers memory the most? Is it sound? Is it music? Is it, you know, seeing something, hearing something? No, it's smelling something. Smells are the most triggering memories you can have, that smell. The smell of something from your childhood. For me, it's um, incense in the church that takes me back to when I was a kid. Why? Because it is the olfactories are directly connected to your limbic system. So today's show is kind of like an onion. Because it's going to trigger you. It's going to let you in on understanding. You know, so many people think, whoa, this is like horrible. If you think this reality is bad, wait till you see other realities that are parallel to this. My predictive math has come up with realities that will make you think this is the good place. This is like the middle place. I don't know if any of you watched that show. It's kind of gotten a little lame in this season. But this reality, if you think it's bad, you have no idea of how, you know, we've taken that scenic route so we can reroute on a parallel so hard. It's incredible. Now, uh, President Trump finishes up this, um, this, um, speech for two minutes. So I want you guys to listen to it because he's made very clear points and he's going to make a very clear one right now. I think we're very proud of. And this includes a group that was having a hard time from the day of our founders, the day they signed. These people have had a hard time. They're former inmates, people that went to jail, who are getting a fresh start thanks to the landmark criminal justice reform bill that I signed into law, but maybe equally so because the economy is so good. They're coming out of jail now and they're getting jobs. And I will tell you, the people that have been hiring them, and I get reports, they cannot believe how good they've been, and obviously not at all cases. But it's incredible. First time they've ever had an opportunity. They get out of jail and they end up with a great job and they cherish the job more than you would, more than I would. They cherish, they can't believe what happened to them. And they're doing a phenomenal job. First time it's ever happened in the history of our country. It's really terrific. You know what's incredible? I just wanted to say we're in a world, our nation, let's get more localized, right? Our nation is run by criminals. And when criminals run your nation, your prisons fill up with innocent people. They will come after you like you have no idea. They come after everyone because criminals in power do not like good people at all. When we say hire American, we mean hire all Americans by focusing on the needs of people, not the desires of government. We're helping our citizens realize their ambitions and pursue rewarding careers. Over 1.1 million fewer Americans are now forced to rely on part-time work today than when I was elected. That's a tremendous number. 
people who are working two jobs and three jobs and making less money than they made 21 years ago. That was the stat. A record number of Americans are quitting the job that they have to take a job that they like even better. They like the job better. They like getting up in the morning like we all do. They like going to work. And they have something that they can do, and they're getting paid more money for it, which is something that's probably never happened before in this country to the extent it's happened now. This increased competition is driving up wages for blue-collar workers who are the biggest beneficiaries of what we're talking about and all the things that I'm mentioning today. Real weekly wages for the lowest-paid earners have grown more in the first three years of my administration than in the entire decade before my election, and decade and much more than that. Since the election, real wages have gone up 3.2 percent for the median American worker, but for the bottom income group, real wages are soaring. But we want to thank Mexico. We want to thank the president. And I've likewise offered a lot of help because they have a tremendous problem with the cartels in their country, a problem like uh, nobody would believe uh, where the cartels are almost ruling a country. And I am offering to the president of Mexico uh, the ultimate hand. And he and I have a very good relationship. And let's ultimately see what happens. But those cartels are horrible, what they're doing. You see it every day. All you have to do is turn on the news. Reinstate the avalanche of regulations that have already ended. Decimate the middle class and totally bankrupt our nation. As long as I'm president, America will never be a socialist country. We are reawakening the majestic spirit of enterprise and exploration, discovery, and all of the other things that we need to create that exceptional character that our nation is developing now more than at any time in the past. We're a nation of unbridled pioneers and adventurers and risk-takers. We inherit the legacy of courageous, free, and independent souls who ventured across oceans, braved the wilderness, settled the frontiers, tamed the Wild West, and raised up towering cities of concrete, iron, and steel. Our American ancestors produce miracles of science, lost, and this is it, lost so many lives, but launched revolutions in technology, created groundbreaking new industries, built the railroads that linked our cities, fashioned the skyscrapers that touched the clouds and gave us the most prosperous nation to ever exist on the face of the earth. This is our American heritage. This is who we are. This is who we will forever be. We believe in the dignity of work and the nobility of each and every American worker. We believe the future is forged in the mind of the American inventor, the soul of the American craftsman, the heart of the American entrepreneur, and the faith of the American investor. We know that there is nothing we cannot achieve as one team, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. 
with everyone here today and millions of patriots across our land, we are making America stronger, prouder, and greater than ever before. And ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. He has awoken the majestic side of the United States of America. He knows that. And this is why it's imperative that he taps them. It is imperative. Let's go, okay, to, let's go to New Year's. Let's start this restart because we have to listen to our president to New Year's Day. Let me find where I would put that. I think I made note for New Year's. I think we should go just to the beginning where I introduced the show. You guys can find it on iTunes. Their car. Uh, There we go. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. It's from January 1st. And it is the first show of the year. Here we go. I wonder if the people in 1919 felt the same excitement. I always think about stuff like that. Well, welcome to the Tory Sess Show. January 1st, 2019. It's a new year. It's the day that everybody makes resolutions. It's times like this on New Year's Day where people create lists of resolutions. The list things that they would like to change. You know, things such as people uh, want to change are their looks, their partners, the size of their home, their job, their car. Aspire to maybe have children or be a little bit more outspoken or learn how to say no. These are all things that people put together on the list every New Year's Day. Sometimes they do it before that. So every New, as the new year comes, we make this list and we think about it. But what we forget is that change is not instant. It can't occur the minute you put it out there and say, I want this done. You have to work for change. If you want a new house, a bigger house, a bigger car, you have to save for it or increase your income in order to make that wish come to fruition. You want to lose a couple pounds, then you need to put the work into it, fix your diet and work out. And it's not going to happen from one day to the other. You need work. And the thing is, for some reason, people in all aspects, and that includes me too, Expect that when they put it out there and they say, well, I'm going to do this more or I'm going to do that and fix it. They get discouraged when they don't see things happen instantaneously. So in order to make something happen, you have to sacrifice time, effort, Sacrifices are what yields 
success. And we have to remember that when someone sacrifices time, money, efforts, and a lifestyle in order to achieve something, it's pretty incredible because how many of you sacrifice some of your time, some of your money, some of your convenience, comforts for someone else? Not for you, but to achieve a goal of something else, something bigger than you. There aren't a lot of us out there that do it. Over 30 years ago, there was a person who would express their frustration publicly, point out what's wrong, point out what needs to be done to fix situations that may or may not have any impact on them. But it surely did have an impact on everyone in their life. And it was at that point where that person, 10 years later, decided to talk about it again and again and again. So for over 30 years, talking about a problem and always saying, you know, I may fix it. And here's where the ultimate sacrifice comes in. When you're at that stage in life where you've put in your time, you've raised your kids, you've worked, one slip in the bathtub and it's a death sentence the minute you crack your hip, that period of time, you know, over 65, and specifically for this person over the age of 70, to decide to wage war against an enemy so embedded into everything, so global, it makes you think, why would anyone do that? Why would anyone sacrifice the last years of their life to get ridiculed, mocked, to live in constant fear of looking over their shoulder, to literally be belittled by people he is trying to help. And also, by the, oh, the, by the people that acknowledge his sacrifice, to be told he's not doing it fast enough. So this New Year's Day, I urge everyone to remember that change does not happen overnight. Because when foundations have been laid for over a hundred years, with a two-decade plan of a rollout, you have to think, this can't happen overnight. We just can't. And this is just a, a reminder of the introduction on January 1st. 
because what we need to realize is that at this moment, we are at war. We are undergoing one of the biggest battles, and it's like we're sleepwalking. Because what President Trump is doing, being now that it's November 12th, 2019, and we won't see... We won't have that feeling of victory, not the victory of the face to the boot, but the victory of knowing we are free until November 5th, 2020. And the elections are November 3rd. So remember, remember the 5th of November. Because as things roll out, people are like, oh, the IG report's going to come and it may have this. We know what it may have. The IG is simply an auditor. We don't care about that. Do you know how many things need to be rectified? How many people have been pulled together to assist? All these years that President Trump was on television, was on radio, was writing books, was talking, Maybe unbeknownst to him, he was auditioning for the position that, the, you know, he, this is it. He was being interviewed by people that have been just as the evil foundations were laid. There were the people that were working together in the background, the political victims, those innocent thrown in prison because those in power decided to put them away. Remember, these people think they have so much power that they think they're gods. And the one thing we know is that when someone with power acknowledges you, when someone with power sees you pop up on their radar, no matter how small you may think you are, they will go ahead full speed to eliminate you. One example is Martin Shkreli. <laughs> Everybody knows him as Pharma Dude. Why did they lock him up for something that may have been a crime and may not? When we had bona fide crimes from people linked to General Mattis, John Kelly, Kissinger, for millions and millions in fraud for this blood research. And yet he, on speculatory things, is locked up. And it wasn't for that. It was because he said, get me a strand of Hillary Clinton's hair. I'll tell you what's up. Now, when you have a young guy that is so naive thinking that cash in your bank account allows you some form of protection, he was wrong. A young 20-something with tons of cash that's a genius right now sitting in jail. Mm. So which one was it? The fact that he exposed the AIDS medication, which, by the way, <laughs> was never sold to anyone. And because of what he did, people all across the nation have been watching the Truvada commercials on TV that literally have you take this medication and they provide AIDS virus. They introduce that into your body <laughs> at your own consent because you think you're going to be immune to it or because you have a partner that may be HIV positive and you're like, yeah, let me take it. You don't know that they're exposing you to it, but they're exposing everyone. It's not just through that. Dead viruses is what they, you know, low dose everywhere. <laughs> this is why we have mandates in 1984, 
was on when George Orwell was around. He was very good at predicting uh, by paying attention to everything around him. They literally believe they're God, per se, right? Not like, worship me. But they believe that you need to listen to what they tell you, their truth. Think about it. If we actually became a socialist society where every single dollar we made, we had to provide 80% of that, so we only made 20 cents on every dollar to the government. And if education was free, why would I go through 20 years of education and schooling to make the same amount as someone that picks up garbage for a living and doesn't have to answer to anyone, doesn't need to take his work home, doesn't need to stress out? Why would you be driven to succeed? You wouldn't. And this comes after over time. This is how you create the elite class and the peasants. This is what President Trump was saying during that speech. They're crushing the middle class because once you have that gap between poor and rich, you're done. You won. You're in control. What are you going to say? Oh, look at this. I'm going to burn $20 in your face when you only make 20 cents an hour. How's that make you feel? And you get to live where I dictate you live. You get to eat what I dictate you eat. You're not allowed to eat cow meat. You're going to eat this pink sludge because that's all you get, peasant. Work, work, work. Maybe we'll create a competition like the Hunger Games so you feel like you have a chance of escaping this nightmare that you helped create because you sat on the sideline while, while it happened. And so voting is exactly what did it. Our vote being stolen is exactly what did it. People don't seem to understand that. They are usurping our government, our country. They are taking everything away from us and we're letting them. Your constitution means nothing. It's a piece of paper hidden behind glass that a bunch of guys signed a long time ago to help secure your rights. But the only way that is not just a mere piece of paper but a living document is if you have the right to vote. And the minute they take away your right to vote, it is simply a piece of paper, people that have been long dead signed in hopes that you would have realized it. And see, this is where we're at right now. For the next year, obviously on a global scale, we're seeing Africa come into play. Boy, and I told you they were coming in at the end of 2020, and it's going to be hard and fast. We're seeing, uh, you know, technology you know, right in front of our eyes, just how great it is. I think I retweeted how the Iron Dome of Israel just was lit up and missiles couldn't penetrate all of this. You're seeing how you have a file, but what you're not seeing is those people that are going in through the nooks and crannies to come next to that one man that is there to protect us. And that's president Donald J. Trump, that man that has risked everything to protect us. And so many others that have no face, no name, or maybe they have a name and a face. And, you know, they're 
practically nobodies that are trying to change the world with every sound their mouth makes, with every hand they raise, with every like and retweet. That's you. And the more we understand that we have that control now, that we are the news, and that we have the power, it's going to be a lot easier to succeed. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So, um, obviously, we had our president live, and he cut into uh, a lot of what I wanted to say today because I want this to be more of a reflection of where we are and where we're going and how we got there. Uh, but I want you to take a moment to yourself and think of this. Imagine that every day you got up and worked really, really hard. And your neighbor next door that was disabled and couldn't mow their lawn, couldn't clip their hedges, couldn't go to the supermarket and eat, you would go and mow their lawn when they were sleeping and didn't see. You went there and clipped their hedges when you, when, when they didn't see you. You would drop groceries off to their door every day and you would get their windows washed without them knowing it's you. You did all of these things to them for years. And sometimes, you know, let's add a little bit of fun to it. Let's pretend that you sacrificed a life that you have in the future. In another reality that's so great and utopic where people are competing with each other, it's, it feels great. The greed, you know, the greed meter for power is low. You're coming from another universe and you're doing all of the, you know, you just sacrifice and you're like, okay, I'm going to live a version of my life that doesn't belong to me. It's the, it's one of the, it's not like the super not good one because remember all of us from the day we're born, we can go anywhere. You could be a pauper, a drug addict, a crackhead, you know, a man with like 20 kids, a woman with like 50 baby daddies. Uh, you could be completely uneducated. You could be well-educated. You can, you know, get a scratch off and win the lottery and invest it in Yahoo in 1985 and be, a, you know, a mega rich tycoon. Who knows? So there's lots of versions of you, but imagine that you sacrificed a version of you and that version of you is cutting these hedges, mowing those lawns, wiping those windows, you know, and preemptively knowing what this disabled or unable to see, how's that person until they get, you know, then until they're able to, let's say, okay, you're doing all this for them. And then one day you cross paths with them and you tell them good morning and they turn around and spit on you. And, you know, it's never a good deed when you say it. But if you were to turn around and tell the person, well, I've cut your grass for so many years. I've trimmed your hedges. I've intersected, you know, when you were younger to help you, I don't know, meet your wife. Then I popped back and did all this. I fed you. I guided you. I was the one that, you know, made sure you had this mobile chair so you can move around when you were sick. 
And suddenly that person either decides to accept it or they refuse it, right? And your heart's broken because you're like, I've done, this person has been taken care of by someone they don't even know. They just know that something full of love is around them and they don't know why. And, you know, I say that to my family all the time, whenever they came up with something difficult or I was in a difficult situation, I have been in very difficult situations. I think, you know what? It doesn't matter. God will provide because there's always someone seven months ahead of you that's looking after you. And so, you know, you think about it. This has happened over 17 times. Why can't someone see it yet? And this is exactly who President Trump is. He's trimming your hedges. He's mowing your lawn. He's washing your windows. He's putting the food on your stoop since you can't drive about and go get it. And this is how he's treated. And today what we saw is him you know, walking out and saying good morning and getting that, you know, the spit on the face and saying, well, hold on a second. I'll tell you, it's about time. And this is why I'm coming back to you because you need to realize who's been helping you. And so it's important for people to understand that in this day and age, every single person that agrees with president Trump is insane. And those who disagree with the president are the ones that have power. This is key. It's like opposite day. I mean, imagine how many people would right now realistically say, even though (laughs) I was like, gosh, darn it, worst decision I ever made. You know, imagine if there were a bunch of people that sacrificed a life That was just like President Trump's. I mean, we see his life. We know his life. And obviously, he's still living a good life, per se, right? Uh, Well, not really. Because he is surrounded by so many people that would love to take him out. It is ridiculous. And the thing is, even people that are benefiting from what he is doing are in that camp. Because they're ignorant or They're just simply mesmerized by those in power. And this is why they disagree with him. It's not because they hate him. It's because they hate what they are told he stands for. So listen to my, uh, just a couple of minutes from 2018, uh, the 12th of November. I want to play that clip so you can listen to see just how it still rings true today. Let's do this. But she asked, how is she? How is Snipes allowed to literally oversee these elections when in the past she's deleted ballots electronically, right? So, you know, the batch file was all deleted. How is that possible? How is it? Election fraud is a felony. You know, losing votes is a felony. There is someone that went on the record and signed an affidavit saying that they saw people filling in blank ballots. This isn't... You would think that that was, you know, recorded today because tomorrow there's going to be an explosive uh, 
press conference coming from Kentucky, and you heard it yesterday. Who filled out the blank ballot for the one student out of many people that are flying into Kentucky right now to testify? Credible. On the other hand, it's actually a good learning opportunity for everyone to see how they operate. This will help President Trump ensure that there is no election fraud. There's no stealing elections for 2020 because you know they're gearing up for that. Like I said in 2018, and like I said, I've been saying since 20, since after the 2016 elections, their eye is on your voice. They squash it with social, you know, interactions, calling you racist. I mean, that word is totally obsolete. They squash it by using their bullhorns on the mainstream media to tell you how nuts you are because you align with policies like that. And it's not really working. People just don't care anymore. They're not listening because they're doing exactly what they should be doing. And that is listening to the president of the United States of America. Oh, and by the way, remember when that, you know, meeting with the Ukraine over the phone came out? Remember how I told you that wasn't the first phone call he had? He has another one. He should release that one. Because, see, the second phone call came after Joe Biden, after Joe Biden, right? was already in the race because he announced what? On April 25th, 2019, he announced his run. But when did President Trump have the phone call with uh, President Zelensky of the Ukraine? Oh, that's right. April 21st, 22nd, when he actually won the election. So that was before Joe Biden was an opponent. See, because they're telling you, look, he had this in July and in July, Biden was running a campaign. That's his opponent because people aren't going to pay attention that the investigation started in 2018, even though the testimony from these clowns, uh, you know, strolling up to the house to talk, 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 right, are telling you, yeah, well, I found out that they were investigating in 2018. Whoa, that's like a year before Biden announced that he was running. So they're just omitting that fact. Right. They're just telling you, look, July 25th and Biden was running. Yup, he was. All a liberal has to do is up. When did Biden announce? Oh, he announced it on April 25th, 2019. Oh, dear. But see, think about it. Biden delayed his announcement, if you remember. Do you remember that? See, this is what happens when people leave future realities to come back to fix things. They just delay things a little bit, right? So here's where there was a delay. He was supposed to announce it in March, didn't. He's like, wait, let me wait till after the Ukrainian elections just to make sure. So the Ukrainian elections happen April 21st. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it online. I'm going to do it live stream. Yeah, 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 delay. You remember that, right? How it was like, why is he delaying? Why is he delaying? Because if they can insert people, we can insert people. That's the way it goes. And some people are the voice to guide people, to give them, hey, look, this is a roadmap. It's happening. There's indictments. I told you it's going to be Christmas. It's going to be super Christmas, super Christmas. And why? Because people are impatient. That's why. And because we need to give them a little bit of a boomerang, right? Because they've just been getting way too cocky. And if we smack them down, then it's all good. Just a little bit. Not all of them. We're not going to get all of them. No, 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 no. Because we have them all already. Because people left lives that were different. 
people relived their lives in a way that they didn't want to because they wanted to ensure that future generations, right, are okay. That we do not end up submitting to them. And so it began. So I just want to play a little bit more about this election thing from 2018 so you can hear just how roadmaps had been laid out from way back. This Kentucky thing was a dry run. How it just so happened that I was smack in the middle and involved in the Kentucky election fraud from 2016, you know, coincidences. Like I said, I think we need to go back to paper ballots. I think we need to have people of our National Guard oversee the process. I mean, it's no big deal. We'll call them for that day, and we'll have the finest overseeing the process. And it'll be paper. That way there's no dispute or any accidentally deleting or losing USBs or destroying USBs by accident. Well, in the case of Broward County, though, we have ballot boxes, provisional ballots just appearing. The funniest thing that I saw that was, um, that is really alarming. Alarming from the fact is, like, they really don't care. They don't care how guilty they look. They don't care that people will be like, oh, come on, man, really? They really don't care. They had a ballot box abandoned in Avis rental car at the airport. And that's exactly it. They don't care anymore. They really don't, guys. They are shameless. And why? Because they control the past. So in the future, when this is all over, they'll rewrite your history and they will never be known as the, it will never be seen as the biggest scandal. They'll make it like people decided to become slaves to section one, to them, to them, because it was better for them. Because there were so many people on this planet. There was pollution. There was overpopulation. There was death. There was misery. There were people being hanged. Racism. And they fixed it all. They created communities that would generate food, uh, that would be the farmer community. They created the, 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 um, you know, the, metal working communities. They created the oil and energy communities that serve for the planet and for the planet that has maybe, maybe 50 to a hundred thousand people. You know, if you could take a step back and think the worst version of yourself right now, what would that be? It would be a version of you in another world that would have made you into that worse version. So can you imagine that today there was only one party, so you really didn't have a vote, right? You would have to go into something like a prayer in the morning to them that everyone stay true, blah, blah, blah. And you're working in a, uh, you're living in a region of the planet uh, that deals with um, manufacturing electronic components. 
And there in that region, you have all your drone cord coordinators, all your coding guys, and everybody doesn't get a wage. You just get a free house and a meal at work. And then you're allowed to have a meal given to you by a restaurant that they control for you and your family. So you're a hundred percent dependent on them. And if you seem to get sick, you'll get quarantined somewhere, somewhere else. And if they can fix you, you may come back or they'll just get rid of you because it's too expensive. And when you get old and you can't work anymore in the electronic components factory and you can't code anymore because your eyes don't work and glasses that are cheap aren't working and surgery at that point, they don't want to give it to you. They want to keep you as primitive as they can, right? They'll just get rid of you too and you'll go to a place that you don't speak of. Maybe in a furnace. Hmm? And maybe you are told that you can only produce so many children and you can only produce them with XYZ person because that gives them exactly the genetic, you know, pre, you know, they tell you how it's going to happen. What kind of version would you be in? I'll tell you what kind of version I'd be in that. I'd be super dead by the time I'm like 15, 16 from revolting. I'd be the one if I was in the electronic component section, pulling out wires and rebelling. There would be no way I could see any version of myself submitting to it, but I can see a version of myself passively allowing that to happen and being convinced that it's okay. And you know where I take it down to that maybe in this version of me, I didn't fall down that path, which many who may have, uh, you know, gone through this reality that we, because you know, what is reality? It's something that we all share, right? Um, I get it down to the fact that I had joined government ranks because if I didn't, I would not have traveled the world. I would not have had disrupted educational, uh, um, I would say experiences. And therefore I would not be able to adapt, uh, and objectively observe, because, you know, once you're in something, you can't be objective. You know what I'm saying? It's like me trying to figure out if the one that I love is lying to me. I can't do it. I can't be objective because I'm blinded by love, right? That's the way it is. If I like you too much, you might be able to deceive me earlier because it gets personal, right? It's a lot easier for you to deceive me because it's personal. So, Think about it. What would be the worst version of you in what reality? Now imagine you're in the best reality where everything's just awesome. You know, we have productivity, people are competing, we've got great health care, you know, we've made laws to disallow people from living too long, using clone things, you know, uh, respecting humanity, everyone's doing their own thing, it's pretty cool, you know, we don't have a lot of, uh, there's no human and child trafficking period. Not a lot of deaths, you know, here and again, people get hot headed and there's murders, right? And you're living great. So you're prospering. You're successful. Everything you owned, you work for and you put effort in it and it was rewarded to you because that's what happens when there's healthy competition. And what if you're sitting one day and they're like, Hey, you know what? You, Mike, Joe, Hey, come here. 
you guys are doing great. And since you have great heads on your shoulder, I'm going to kind of rewind the clock and throw you back to when you were like about, I don't know, six, seven years old, but in another reality, because you need to implement all this that you remember into that one. I'm just saying, this is totally sci-fi, right? This can't be real. I mean, that would be totally a majestic story, but say you plop them in there. Now you, Mike, Joe, Schmo, Sally, whatever, you're there and you start and you're like, all right, this isn't too bad. It's not like we're, you know, in the Hunger Games. This isn't too bad. We can do this. And the more you see it, the more you realize just how ungrateful people are. This is exactly how President Trump is. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing so much good. No one's giving me any credit. Instead, they're giving me a lot of flack. People, we need to lay back. We don't need people telling us, oh yeah, the IG report is dropping before. We don't care. We know it's happening. What we need to do is make sure that the news are out there. Like nobody talks about the fact that Lindsey Graham met with William Barr. And, you know, just saying, like I said, once a black hat, it's very difficult for me to trust you. Now, if you want to go back to like the Godfather three, where he was like trying to redeem himself, maybe, but we all don't put our, you know, little rocks and coins and eggs in one basket. You got to hold some for yourself because then you might get burnt because look at us with Google. We gave them everything. And what have they done? They have rewarded themselves by creating one of the biggest databases uh, of all your information, your artificial intelligence profile. And I'll tell you what, Someone that knows you very well can do what? They can weaponize that knowledge against you. Yes? I mean, if you have an asset, you want to approach them, you learn everything there is to know about them. You want to get in their head. You want to know how they think. Well, Google's got just that. There's a roadmap, uh, there's a roadmap out to how Joe, Mike, Sally, you know, Callie, all of them, how they think. All of them. And once you know their deepest desires, what kind of porn they watch, what kind of pictures they like to look at, what kind of YouTube videos randomly do they watch? Like for me guys, I'll tell you what my, my indulgement is. It's a, it's a channel called Vivian Tries. I kid you not. Vivian tries. I love her because all she does is try out products. And by the way, just because of her video, I'm buying the Ninja Foodie. But that's like my indulgence. Um, because I like her personality, you know, sometimes she's super crude and, you know, maybe I'm not in the mood for it, but other times I'm like, yo, yeah, I totally dig it. That's like a secret indulgence. So I'm telling you that because I'm not shy to, to express what my vices are, but imagine if you don't want people knowing a vice, maybe you don't want people knowing that you like, I don't know, watching He-Man reruns, right? Or that you like, you know, big cats, not little cats, small dogs, not big dogs, whatever. That can actually be weaponized against you. Or like fears or every time you go to Dr. Google and you ask, oh, I have this and that. They can inject fear. That can be weaponized against you. So think, we invested so much in people that own Google that they can weaponize that against you. And I think it was Breitbart that over a month ago had done a piece. I had done a piece over a year ago where it's like this conglomerate of this citizen log. And what, you know, what Breitbart had done was they were talking about their collaboration with China. Now, the thing is, I've told you about the Chinese before. They're already doing this. 
So they're on a separate contract. What Google is doing is to be that corporation, that them, A, B, C, to be your alpha to your omega. That is it. A, B, C, just the beginning. Okay. And that is exactly why they put it in. Now, you know, uh, obviously, no matter how the president of the United States goes about to target Google for this, to uh, reprimand, how are they going to, how is he going to know when most of the systems that we use to investigate, they've created? It's almost the same scenario on how they stole the vote in Kentucky, in Texas, in California, in Tennessee, in Indiana. Hey, how are you going to prove that they stole the election when they own all the systems from tallying to reporting? How are you going to prove that? Where are you going to find that glitch, that mess up? Because humans always have errors. And unfortunately, humans are necessary because computers are way too binary on ones and zeros. So again, this usurpation that we are observing is that of you, of our nation. And socialism is a form of, um, I would say, a light version of it because it can become very, very dangerous. And I know a lot of people are watching. Someone um, tweeted out to me about Maduro and his right-hand man and, you know, being trained in the U.S. I said this before. Maduro was placed there by the Clintons. Maduro was placed by those regimes and had a handler next to him. But what happens when someone who used to be a black hat or who used to roll with the black hats decides to flip? Or what if your white hat decides to be a black hat? This is what you need to think of because the duality of humans is innate from the, you know, primordial sin. You can be good. You can be, there's a yin, there's a yang. So think about it for a second. And today, while you watch the news, because tomorrow it's going to be super crazy. So if you see anything, say something. Make sure you keep that in mind. Are they? Aren't they? And you know, yeah, they are psyching us out, making us think about it. But in the end, we're also psyching them out too when you can't trust the people that are next to you. On that note, I want to wish everyone a great evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. See you tomorrow.